0: Hey there. Are you a spiritual seeker looking for the perfect way to blend your physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental health and well-being practices? Maybe you already have an interest in yoga or astrology or want to learn more about yoga's sister science, Jyotish, or Vedic astrology? Well then, I'm super glad you're here, and I'd like to extend you a very warm welcome to the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook. I'm a yoga teacher and a Vedic sidereal astrologer, meaning I use the sidereal zodiac, so some of the signs might be different from what you're used to. To get a free copy of your sidereal birth chart, please visit my website, yogiscopes.com chart. Now let's get started. I'm glad you're here. Hey there. So this is going to be your yogi scope, your yoga practices for the astrological weather and journal prompts as always for the full moon that's happening this week, as well as I'm going to touch on a couple other things like mercury retrograde that's also happening tomorrow. It's happening the day before the full moon as I'm recording this, it's Thursday, September 8th. And so tomorrow tomorrow. September 9th, Mercury will begin its retrograde motion in Virgo, sidereal Virgo, and um, the full moon will be the day after, technically really Friday night, um, because it's happening in the wee hours of the morning on Saturday, at least Eastern Standard Time where I am, um, is when the full moon is occurring, so the peak of it will be over Friday night, the same day that Mercury goes retrograde, so of course I'm going to have to talk about how those things May or may not be interrelated, how the energies work together, um, while also trying not to be too long-winded, because y'all know I can be, I like to ramble and go on tangents. And then another important thing is that this full moon begins what's called the Ancestor Fortnight, Um, so I'm gonna try to, in the simplest way possible, explain what that means, um, explain the astrology behind it. Etc. So, but it's a lot to cover in one episode. Even though that's only three things, it's three things that could totally stand alone as our own episode. But um, anyway, here we are. The full moon is my favorite, so that one gets the forefront. Um, even though Mercury retrograde also seems pretty important. But FYI, I did a I covered Mercury retrograde some on the September Outlook episode that um, is out. And it should have been last week's episode. Sorry y'all. I'm like scatterbrained. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's last week's episode, September Outlook, and I believe two weeks ago in the membership, I covered, I did a sign by sign for Mercury retrograde. So that's there. So maybe you listened to it when it came out, but maybe you want to revisit it now that it's here, uh, would be worth worthwhile if you just listen to your rising and moon sign. They're each only like two minutes long, so it's not very hard. To revisit um so yeah here we go full moon here's what's happening important things happening over this weekend i already mentioned friday september 9th mercury goes retrograde in sidereal virgo then saturday september 10th at 5 57 a.m eastern time is the moment that the moon is at its peak of fullness so technically really tomorrow it will move into its full phase already and it so the full phase, any phase of the moon lasts about two or three days anyway. So, but the peak of it will be early Saturday morning over Friday night, however you want to look at that, um, in sidereal Aquarius in a nakshatra called Purva Bhadrapada. And we're going to talk more about the mythology and astrology archetypes behind what that means and what its connection to ancestors and legacy and all this other stuff and what all that means and as always, yoga practices and journal prompts for you to work with that stuff. So um, then on Sunday, September 11th, I can't neglect to mention this, even though I'm not really going to super-duper cover it, um, Neptune will retrograde into Aquarius. So it's been retrograding in Pisces, and it continues its retrograde and just moves back into Aquarius Um and it will stay there. So it'll go direct sometime later this year, but it will move out of Aquarius next February. So Neptune's going to be in, in Aquarius for a hot minute. Um, just quickly to say like a sentence or two about that, just so you know, even though I don't think it's like the biggest of deals. So a quick reminder about retrogrades in general, cause this is going to apply to the mercury retrograde as well. And if you've <clears throat> excuse me, been on social media in the past few days and you follow any amount of astrologers, uh, you've probably heard that, oh my god, there's like six planets in retrograde right now. It, it happens every year, y'all. So this is what I've, a pattern that I've noticed from studying astrology and Ayurveda together is that When we have this archetype of moving towards Vata season or what is autumn here in the northern hemisphere, and I can't speak to the southern hemisphere, never lived there in my life, I've just been noticing these patterns living in the northern hemisphere for my entire life and then applying these frameworks of astrology and Ayurveda, specifically Vedic astrology, to um, the patterns I've noticed throughout my entire life of living seasonally and cyclically, Um, there are several archetypes in astrology that mirror and match uh, the archetypes we see in Ayurveda, which is based on what's happening in nature, right? So in the summertime, everything starts to kind of slow down a little bit, right? Like we get super busy in the summer. We have these longer days, but that means typically just from what I've seen, forward progress is less in the summer, which matches up with the retrograde energies. springtime is the big time for forward progress. It's like life is bursting forth after this scaling back and and time of dormancy that we have in fall and then winter respectively, right? And so that happens every year. We know that. We know that from living seasonally. And then just astrologically, what we see is around this time of year, uh, by late summer to early fall, there's a lot of planets retrograde. Every year it happens. So I say this because, you know, obviously I enjoy astrology. I'm not trying to like debunk it or whatever. Um, I just I, I want to point out the the larger patterns rather than getting lost in the in the nitty-gritty of like, oh my god, there's six planets retrograde right now. Well, what does that really mean? Right? Retrogrades mean like archetypally they mean slowing down because the planet from our point of view is slowing down its motion in the sky until it stops depending on how quickly the planet moves is what's called um stationing retrograde like mercury usually only stations for like a few hours um or maybe even like one hour i don't know exactly but then um planets like Jupiter will be stationed retrograde for like the better part of a day, like 12 hours or more, right? Because it moves a little bit slower. So Neptune, I'm sure, uh, will station. So that's from our perspective. It looks like it stops moving until it appears to be moving backwards. And then that's what happens in a retrograde. And then so archetype, archetypally, um, it's traversing. It's like retracing steps, like traversing backwards over a portion of the sky that it, ha- it has just covered. So it's like, Taking two steps backwards to take one, three steps forward or whatever. You know what I mean? That's the energy of a retrograde. Um, and so apply that to your life. what Where can you retrace your steps um, and kind of take two steps backwards to make sure that you are showing up and doing the things you want to do in the way you want to do them so that when you take your steps forward, you're more aligned. That's what a retrograde is for. It's not a huge deal. It's not, it doesn't have to be anything scary, right? Um, so... With that said, we have Neptune retrograde right now, we have Mercury going retrograde tomorrow, we have all the outer planets are retrograde, so Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And so that's why I'm like, that's also like not the hugest deal. Because they are they're so slow moving that from our point of view, they spend like half the time being retrograde anyway. And so if you ask a Western astrologer, it's a much bigger deal than a Vedic astrologer. And I bring this up because some of you have pointed out to me that it's hard to sort through the noise of all the different um, astrologers out there and they all have different opinions. And so I really try to explain this stuff from like, okay, where does this idea come from archetypally and from the mythology in, you know, the Vedic texts so that you can understand how I come to the conclusions I come to and you can take what you like and leave the rest so then we also have Jupiter and Saturn retrograde and really honestly they typically go retrograde around this time of year for four to six months um depending and then we have Mercury retrograde so a lot of retrogrades right and that was just to bring up Neptune retrograde this is way more than a sentence or two but (laughs) y'all know me um so Neptune retrograde What does Neptune represent? If we want to figure out what Neptune retrograde means, applying that, what we know what a retrograde in general means, and then we look at what Neptune means, and it's in Aquarius. So you might look to where Aquarius is in your birth chart, which I'm going to get there because the full moon is also in Aquarius. That's why I feel like maybe I should spend a minute or two talking about this because it is moving into the same sign as the full moon while the moon will still be in its full phase. And it's traversing... um, from Pisces into Aquarius, retrograding backwards from Pisces into Aquarius, and the full moon is happening in a nakshatra that bridges over Pisces and Aquarius. So just in a nutshell, those two signs are kind of being lit up right now. And then also important to note is that Mercury is retrograding through Virgo, which is a direct aspect to Pisces. They form an axis, Virgo and Pisces form an axis so anything happening in one definitely impacts the other um and we have jupiter also retrograding in pisces so that axis is important hopefully i'm bringing this up so that hopefully it will all come together in the end right so neptune represents um, the, the biggest keyword for Neptune is illusion. And so I know like our Pisces folks, are always like, Oh, ha, ha Pisces is the dreamy one. The one that's always living in a fantasy world. Right. So that's somewhat the archetype. Right. But I'm going to, I always like to bring up the, the shadow side and the more Sattvic, the more pure version way to look at this, you know, any energy can be good or bad. Right. And so, on the, on the sattvic side of illusion is vision. So sometimes maybe you're living in a, in a fantasy world. But to some folks who don't have pure vision for their life, maybe your vision looks like fantasy to those folks. Um, and so how can you bring illusion into vision to find clarity to stay grounded right so some other key words for what Neptune might represent is like intuition and creativity and inspiration and then also can't be ignored about what Neptune can signify or like the energy it can bring is this notion of escapism and so escapism can be bad right like um, that's what sort of addiction and alcoholism is is like a form of escapism but so is like doom scrolling on social media, right? That's all escapism. But you know what else is escapism is being in a sense of flow. Because when you are in a sense of flow, you're like, you're so focused on the thing that you're doing, that it's almost like a form of escapism, right? Like you're not um, being pulled in all these directions. So focus, right? So focus can be impacted by this transit so it's just what I what I want to bring up because so it's retrograding in Pisces with Jupiter where it's also being you know aspected by everything happening in Virgo coming up like Mercury is about to become retrograding so or become retrograde Mercury is about to go retrograde um in Virgo and then a day or two later Neptune will retrograde back into Aquarius um so, it's just like focus might be impacted right now. And this is what I want to point out with retrogrades. From what I've seen, the energy gets not necessarily dampened, it gets distorted in such a way where it can either be like you have, you feel like you have an extreme sense of focus, or maybe you feel like you're tending more towards the escapism side, right? So, The idea is how can you direct your energy so that you feel that sense of vision and flow um, when you might be feeling more or less pulled towards that illusion or escapism side, right? So we're going to talk about some strategies to do that as well because um, Purva Bhadrapada is also where Neptune will be retrograding through and it's where the full moon is happening. So that's why I brought all that up and I said way more than a sentence or two. This is why I'm like, it's a lot to cover in one episode, but... The, the, main, the main idea is the full moon, and I'm trying to just bring all this other stuff in to illuminate that it's never anything happening in astrology or life in general is happening in a vacuum. Like, there's all this other stuff going on, and you can direct your attention and awareness wherever you want to. Um, and so I'm choosing the full moon for this episode, but I can't not bring up all this other stuff because it's definitely impacting the full moon. You know, right? Like, the full moons happen... They just cycle through the signs every single year. So we're having the same thing happening every single year pretty much um, in terms of the moon cycles. And so it's just everything else happening with these slower moving planets that changes the energy just slightly. It makes one year different from the next. But we also know that there are some constants in life, right? Like the seasons. You know, so I brought that up. Like in Ayurveda, we have the doshas governing the seasons. Um, We're moving into Vada season here in the northern hemisphere where I live in the mountains. I was, I like needed a jacket this morning and I was pretty stoked about it personally. Um, So Purva Bhadrapata, where this full moon is happening, is, I've mentioned this before, but maybe you're new here, we have a few nakshatras where there's a Purva and an Uttara version of so we have Purva-Bhadrapada and Nutara-Bhadrapada. They're pairs, right? And then we also have the Falguni pairs that are in Leo and Virgo, spanning over Leo and Virgo. And then we have the Ashada pairs, Purva and Nutara-Ashada, that are happening over Sagittarius and Capricorn. And I just bring that up because I want to point out larger patterns in astrology. Like I, I want, hopefully I want to create a culture where we're looking at the larger patterns and not looking at anything in a vacuum if I haven't driven that point home yet today. Um so just know that that's a thing. Um and they all form pairs, right? And so this one, the symbol is a funeral cot. And purva vajrapada is the front legs of a funeral cot, while utara vajrapada is the back legs. So we can think more into what this archetype means, right? Like a funeral cot. So um, I was doing some research just before recording about burial ceremonies. Actually, I say burial because in the U.S. we mostly bury people. But in India, they don't really bury people. Most people are cremated. The The traditional, like, passing – the rite of passage into the next life um, for folks in India is cremation. And so I wanted to be accurate because I was like, I have this idea about, like, how they do it, right? Um, because, you know, just from – brief time I've spent in India and um, just what I know, but I was like, let me make sure that I'm kind of like thinking correctly about this because, and not kind of marring this perspective with what I know about cremation practices in the U.S. because so I was looking it up and it, the phrase it brought to the mind was like putting your feet to the fire. So, of course, I googled where does that phrase putting your feet to the fire come from? Um, and it's it's a phrase from like medieval times when they would put somebody's feet to the fire or on hot coals to, like, extract a confession out of them. So that's a misnomer. using that as an archetype for this nakshatra is not quite correct historically, but I'm going to use it anyway, and here's why. Because, um, so in India... It seems I've never actually been to an Indian cremation ceremony, but I've heard about them. So I looked it up and and how this there's a lot of facets to this ceremony It's a rite of passage from this life into the next. Right. Um, and and most cultures have a some sort of ceremony. And I would imagine that in India, much like in the U.S. or anywhere, India is not a monolith, just like the U.S. is not a monolith. The, the particulars probably vary somewhat across the culture um but from what i could gather in a quick google search um most typically they're just folks are just placed on the funeral pyre on the fire right like they're just and so because what i was trying to figure out was like well do they go feet first right you know i was like front legs what does that mean um is that like where their feet are do they go feet first into the fire and what i found out is that in the U.S., because the way we cremate folks, sorry if this is too graphic, I don't know. Um, hopefully by now you're used to me and I'm, I'm going to talk about the weird shit. Um, so uh, in the U.S., we push people into the, into the thing that cremates them and instead of like just placing them on the fire and they go feet first. So the feet to the fire archetype kind of does still apply. And so what I found from just this brief Google search I did is that for Indian folks that want to go through this ceremony in the U S it's like acceptable for them to go feet first rather than being placed. And so why do I bring all that up? Right. Is because, um, and you know, I could be wrong about that. I want to be clear that it was just like a quick Google search because I, I like to look at where all these different archetypes come from and how we can apply them to our life. Right. Like that's, what's important is like, where, where are we getting this information? Like, why do we give it the meaning that we give it? Right? So, just in general, Purva Bhattropada, I know this, has this connection to the fire element element because it has the connection to the funeral cot in general. So, regardless of the particulars of whether you're placed, the funeral cot is placed on the fire or pushed feet first or whatever, there's this connection to the fire element. And the fire element has a connection to, you may know the phrase tapas in yoga or Agni. Um, so Agni is like your digestive fire. Tapas is like the fire of transformation. Like you don't go through any transformation without some heat, without some, you know, burning off the old stuff. And so that kind of brings me into what is this ancestor fortnight? Because the ancestor fortnight is, it always begins at the full moon in the month of Bhadrapada. So sometimes it might be in, um, Utara Bajrapada, but it might be, or it might be in Purva Bajrapada. So it's typically around September and October. Um, This year, it runs from this full moon until the next new moon. So this September 10th to September 25th. So I wanted to also explain where that comes from so that you can kind of know how to apply it, right? And then it'll all come together, I promise. Stick with me here, right? So, Pitru Paksha translates to ancestor fortnight. So, Paksha is fortnight. And in... So, in India, they they do... They pay more attention to astrology as a culture than we do here in the U.S., right? So, um, in the U.S., we have our Gregorian calendar. In India, I'm sure they still use that, the Gregorian calendar, but they also do lunar months, which is why I say the lunar month of Bhadrapada, which is now. And so here's a concept from Vedic astrology. A lunar day is called a tithi, And it corresponds to like one phase of the moon. And so they each have names, right? Um, but the important ones to know are Purnama is the full moon, the full moon tithi. Purnama tithi is the phase of the moon, the day, lunar day, where the moon is full. And The Amavasya Tithi is the new moon phase. So if you've heard those, like Guru Purnima, you probably heard about because I noticed that like started to trickle its way out into some, um, I noticed other people that I didn't associate as Vedic astrologers talking about Guru Purnima, which is the, um, you know, it's a full moon that happens. So Purnima means full moon, right? And so I just want to be clear about like where this stuff comes from. And then. So these are like the Sanskrit words for what we have like the phases of the moon and um the fortnights. So every month, every lunar month we have Shukla Paksha, which is the um wait, sorry, yeah, waning phase. It's from the new moon to the full moon and then we have Krishna Paksha, which is called the dark fortnight. The um the two weeks from the full moon to the new moon while the moon is becoming darker. And so this is where in Sanskrit we get, I don't know, I, I recognize that there are other systems and other astrologers that um, use the reverse. Like in Vedic astrology, we always say the full moon is a time to release and the new moon is a time to Set intentions. The waning phase is for growth and expansion. The waxing phase is for introspection, purification, transformation. Right, and so that just applies to every every month, every full and new moon cycle. Uh, that's true. And so there are some astrologers, I guess Western astrologers, I've noticed that say they're reversed. So it can get confusing, right? Like, well, which one do we do when? And I don't think it's that serious. I just want you to know that like this is the this is what the um, Vedic teachings have to say about it that's where that comes from right and and that's the ancient texts have to say about it so you can do whatever you want i don't care i'm just telling you that that's it comes from ancient texts and so beginning and i bring all that up because i i feel like it helps to know what the fortnight of the ancestors is and i feel like it was relevant to know um what pakshas are tithis and um all these things. So Paksha's are the, are the fortnights, the two week phases between new and full moons. And Tithi's are, um, lunar phases. Like, you know, we have like waning crescent, waxing crescent and, or whatever, you know, a gibbous moon. And just in Vedic astrology, they have Sanskrit words for each one of them. I'm not going to tell you all of them right now. I don't even know all of them. I know Purnima is the full moon and Amavasya is the new moon and the rest of them. I'm not that concerned with personally. And I don't think you need to be either. So my take, my interpretation of why the, um, this Bajrapada, month of Bajrapada has this connection to the ancestors right now, hopefully it's starting to all make sense, is that, um, uh, the funeral cot, right? Like that the funeral cot is the gateway. The funeral pyre is the gateway between this life and the next, right? Like the, you know and so is birth right but um this is these nakshatras are towards the end of the zodiac right like there's this connection between this world and the next right and the next world whatever that is whatever you think that is doesn't matter so much but that's where the ancestors reside that's where they live that's where they are right so but just to connect it back to ayurveda again this lunar month also Happens to usually fall somewhere around the autumnal equinox here in the um northern hemisphere, which FYI India is entirely in, and so is the US. So that's why I speak. I'm like, I know there are there's a growing uh body of folks in Australia, interestingly, that are probably because they're proximity proximity to India um, that are interested in Vedic astrology. So I can't speak to that, the Southern Hemisphere, as well as I can speak to the nor- Northern Hemisphere because most of these archetypes are informed by that. Anyway, the at the autumnal equinox, the fall equinox here in the nor- Northern Hemisphere, what is happening astronomically? It is when the sun switches from primarily illuminating the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere. So it's the, the equinox is the day where there's like equal night and day. And then after the fall equinox, the days here in the Northern hemisphere are shorter than the nights all the way up until, well, all the way up until the spring equinox there, the days are shorter than the nights, but, um, until the winter solstice, which is the longest night. And then the nights start gradually getting shorter again. And so this is just an expansion, another example of like this expansion and contraction that happens, on a regular basis right just these cycles that we can align ourselves to the moon phases the waxing and waning moon phases— is one of them the equinoxes is another one and these are very important to lots of cultures they're very important in pagan culture um we pay attention to them here in the u.s i mean it's like what daylight savings time is sort of uh uh fitted around right um So the seasons, like, we know the seasons impact us. We also know that the moon phases impact us. And astrology and Ayurveda give us this, like, beautiful system to work with that and align our lives to it, right? And so in the, at the fall equinox is the moment when the sun is primarily mostly illuminating the northern hemisphere. So then in the southern hemisphere, now their days are getting longer after what is our autumnal equinox. In the um, northern hemisphere, and so with that switch from north to south with the sun um, at the autumnal equinox, While in Vedic tradition, the south is the direction where the ancestors live. Um, and so then, so also just a note that that I did in my reading this morning that on traditionally on a funeral pyre, they want the feet facing north. So just FYI, it, and I just point all this out to say that at this time of year, because of these astrological happenings that that loosely, roughly happen every year, as well as the seasonal and Ayurvedic conceptualizations of those seasonal happenings that also happen at the same time, roughly every year, it's it marks a time to move towards, um, you know, releasing, letting go, like uh, moving into Vata season. Um, which I've done an episode about, I sent it out and I made an Ayurveda playlist. I'll link it in the show notes again um, to help you if you're interested in that. But um, so in thinking about the ancestors with this ancestor fortnight, so it's it's a two week period and it's marked at from a full moon to a new moon. So it's, it's a whack or sorry, a waning phase of the moon where the, the moon is growing darker, right? So it's a time for introspection and kind of paring down right and then it's also a time to um connect to the ancestors so in yoga philosophy when the body ceases to exist in its activity on this planet like when a person dies your eternal self content your capital s self you may have heard in yoga philosophy before continues on Um, but then we leave this legacy in terms of Maybe any activities we started, things we set into motion in this life, um, but then also we leave a legacy in terms of imprint on our loved ones, and then what what our loved ones carry forth with them via the imprint we left on them, right? And so we get those imprints from people that have left us. So ancestors can be anybody, not just your like parents, grandparents, like direct line ancestors. And so there's been a lot of that going on right so i mentioned while the sun was in magha and we just had our most recent new moon in magha um which has this connection to lineage so this full moon is no different it's definitely a time to consider continue considering your lineage and your legacy um so just quickly some auspicious acts things that are that are good to do during the pitru paksha during the ancestor fortnight is to um Honor the eternal self, the capital S self, your connection to the divine, the soul of your loved ones. And then it's also a good time to perform, perform charitable works on behalf of your ancestors. Um, and then especially to give money or support in, in terms of like, be the person that you needed when you were younger. Like that kind of activity is, um, very much auspicious during this time. And then inauspicious things, things that you should not do are begin new projects, um, major undertakings. And that's also supported by mercury retrograde. Like with mercury retrograde, it's, it's a time to, like I said earlier, kind of take two steps backwards so that you can take three steps forward and they can be more meaningful, more aligned steps. And then also, uh, traveling long distances is not really indicated unless it is a pyramid pyramid, a pilgrimage or a spiritual travel right so so just to quickly recap before I tell you the yoga practices and journal prompts because you know that's what's coming next but just to bring it all tied all together bring it all back home right so the the major energies going on is this full moon on Saturday over Friday night here in at least an Eastern Standard Time. The full moon is peaking over Friday night. It marks the beginning of the ancestor fortnight which is a two-week time as the moon is waning to really root down and connect to your lineage, your ancestors, um, kind of maybe put things out that you want to bring more of into your life. But let me clarify, like I just said, it's not a good time to begin things. It's a good time with all of this retrograde energy, like Mercury beginning its retrograde tomorrow, right before the full moon, and Neptune is still retrograding, it's changing signs, um, and then we have Jupiter and Saturn also retrograding, um, just a lot of retrogrades going on. It's it's a time to kind of take that step inward and really lay down the foundation of how you want to step forward. Um, after this two week period and after all the planets go retrograde, but then also with, we're moving into Vata season here in the Northern hemisphere, moving into this fall time, this time of, you know, the trees are releasing, we're releasing it. We're moving through the part of the cycle in multiple ways, astrologically, Ayurvedically, you know, with the moon phase right now, we're moving through many, many cycles that indicate releasing and pulling back and turning inwards and all of that kind of energy, right? Um, but then meanwhile, we also have this archetype of sort of grounding and fire energy being brought up as well because of the um, this full moon's connection to the fire element. Then we also have um, K2 moving into Swati next week that I will cover next week on the podcast. I will do a special episode about that. Um, changing nakshatras, that's going to be the focus for next week because that's a pretty big deal. But I mentioned it last week on the monthly outlook. And um, so those are the major energies we have going on over this week. Um, so I'd like to start with the journal prompts and then I'll talk about the yoga practices. I usually do it the other way, but this time journal prompts, especially related to the ancestor fortnight. Um, and sort of this Sun and Leo energy we've had going on. Um, First question, what legacy do you want to leave behind? And then after you've kind of thought through that, what legacy you want to leave behind? Next question is, what is that informed by? Are those your ideas? Are they the ideas that come from your lineage? Now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, carrying on the family business or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with wanting to live up to your lineage, but if you don't resonate with it for whatever reason, now might be a time to rethink that. So the third question is, are there traits from my lineage that I want to reinforce or reimagine? Um, yeah. So those are your three questions. And then the yoga practices to work with all of this energy, but especially, um, these are informed, well, I'll say where I got each one as I say it. So first of all, meditation or something else that brings you into a flow state or um, enhances your focus. So I recognize that seated meditation is not for everybody. Not everybody wants to just sit down and be still and quiet. Some people find um, the same flow state through something else like running maybe or uh, doing a walking, like a moving meditation, or maybe you even find flow state while you're painting or doing art or whatever yoga flow, like just, you know, you'll recognize the state when you see it that can enhance your ability to find that focus and flow and tap into vision rather than being stuck in, um, illusion or escapism. So, um, whatever that looks like for you, it could be in practicing more seated meditation than usual, or it could be, um, releasing something that makes you feel like you're tapping into the escapism side a little more. Like maybe you toned down your social media use. I don't know, just an idea. Um, and then the next thing, yoga practice is, so some salutations, I, I feel like I can, I'm a vinyasa yoga teacher, y'all. Like I teach trauma informed all levels vinyasa. That's what the Wednesday, Practices that are now available for drop-in, by the way, the Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. And so now if you sign up for drop-in, you go to yogiscopes.com slash classes, you'll get a recording automatically sent to you that you'll have access to for 48 hours. So if you were been wanting to try out the membership, um, I'm really excited to announce that you can now drop in to classes. And if you can't make it to the time, you can get the recording very easily. I just didn't have that option available before because I didn't, it was too much for me to like individually Send recordings and logistics, so I finally figured out the tech of that. So if you want to drop in, it's there. Um, but so I teach sun salutations, you know, all the time, like almost every class, right? Unless you know, every once in a while I will teach moon salutations, and um, so sun salutations can be indicated for a lot of things, and I love sun salutations just because they're they feel like home as a vinyasa yogi they also like um, give us this like firm foundation right to to build creativity upon and they also really help us just activate the core and move the spine and you know warm up the spine they're just they're super they're a super sound practice right sun salutations are but you can infuse these particular sun salutations with a focus on rhythm, structure, and building heat. So now that's normally a focus of sun salutations anyway, but um, just being a little extra dogmatic about the structure and rhythm could help. And so there's actually also a class loaded into the membership already that I did for the Saturn retrograde Uh you know, like a month or so ago, I did over the summer shortly after Saturn went retrograde. And I did a class where it was the structure of a vinyasa. That's what the class is labeled as in the membership. And so if you wanted to go back and practice that one to see what I mean, and then there's a whole vinyasa practice surrounding that, um, that would be a good way to utilize sun salutations to really, uh, work with this energy. And then also, like I mentioned, the feet to the fire sort of archetype I brought up, um, Grounding and foot exercises are sort of indicated all month, and I described that last episode on the September Outlook, but even more so now, not just related. So grounding can often come through the feet and the lower body and strengthening and connecting to the earth in that way, but then feet to the fire, is there any way you can like fire up your feet? and the, And what that makes me think of is this last week, Our Wednesday practice, some feedback I got from one of the students who attended live was that after doing the practice, her feet felt fired up, but like in a good way because we worked the muscles of the feet, which is like, yeah, so it it feels grounding. The effect is grounding. It's strengthening. Um, But so that most recent recording is another good way to work with that energy. But um, you can also use your imagination and run with it. So to recap the meditation, so meditation Grounding and foot exercises and sun salutations with a focus on rhythm and structure and building heat. And then journal prompts are what legacy do you want to leave behind? What is that legacy informed by? And are there any traits from your lineage that you want to either reinforce or reimagine over the coming weeks? So I wish you a very auspicious and wonderful ancestor fortnight and full moon and may the odds ever be in your favor for this Mercury retrograde. I wanted to touch on that a little more than I did, but uh, let me know if you have any questions. I'm glad y'all are here. And as always, if you want to dive any deeper into any of this on an individual basis, that is what a reading would be great for. Or if you'd love to join us on a drop-in basis for the Wednesday classes, you can sign up, yogiscopes.com slash classes. So I'd love to see you there, or I'd love to send you the recording if you can't make it live. Um, but then also on the newsletter tomorrow that I send out on Fridays, I'm going to send out a poll on adding class times. So if you have some feedback, you've been wanting to try one of those classes, please make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. Look out for that. So you can reply to it. If you have some feedback about class times, um, I'd love to hear from you. So thanks for being here. Take care.